right, I'm, I'm recording now and we'll just see what happens, but we can always, you know, cut stuff out. But I kind of like when we're random as fuck. So that's <laughs> just me. <laughs> I like being super organized and plotted through. I, I, I don't know what you're doing. I have to do that every day of my life. So I love this. <laughs> well, if someone comes into you for therapy and you don't know what's going to happen, right? It's just. I had no idea. And what was crazy was, you know, because last week was very eventful in Washington, D.C. So I was um, in. What does something happen? Did happened? Something happened. Something happened in DC. What? So I was in between my therapy sessions and I went out in the kitchen to get a cup of coffee and my husband was in a meeting and he was thankfully enough, he was able to mute himself and he's like, Do you know what's happening right now? And I said, No, what's going on? I've been in session all day. He's like, the Capitol is being attacked. I was like, Oh, so then I go back to my office and I pick up CNN, I pick up my phone and I saw what was happening and saw all these horrific pictures, and then I had a a couple waiting for me for their session. And so I let them into my, out of my waiting room and on Zoom and they were just like, well, we wanted to talk to you today about something, but I think we have to talk about what's happening right now because they were super anxious. We all were. And so, hello Kitty. We had to use our session to kind of do some grounding because it was just so disturbing, so. What, what do you say to somebody in a time like that when it's so incredibly chaotic and there's yeah. all this uncertainty looming? Well, we try to stay present as much as we can and do some breath work in the session and just really give them a voice. Usually when people come in, they want to talk about it, you know, and therapy is a great place to do that, right? I always call therapy the safe container. So they're able to come in and go, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like what, you know, and they want to voice that and they want to get some validation for their feelings because sometimes outside of therapy, they're not able to do that, you know? So they're able to like share, oh my gosh, what's happening and this is crazy. And then, you know, thankfully we were able to address that and then they were able to go in to some of the things that they wanted to process that was currently happening, you know, in their relationship or outside of their relationship. So... Yeah, I was very busy last week with, with everything that was, um, you know, going on. People really needed to get in and, and process. And, but that's been happening for the last year, you know, and now we're in 2021. We're getting the residual of, well, 2021 is starting just like 2020, really, when you think about <laughs> it. There's still a lot of uncertainty, right? And like unknown, and you know, and people are really worried about you know the upcoming next Wednesday if everything will go smoothly or what's but what uh, what's going to happen around the country right during that day I think that's like the big people are holding on to that fear I think so it's kind of looming over us and people are a little I don't know cautious 2020 in a nutshell and soon to be I guess we'll see more of 2021 <laughs> Yeah, it hasn't started off great. What is today? The 15th of January? Hasn't been a banner year <laughs> so far. Isn't it still the, like December 48th? Of- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it might as well be. <laughs> I like that better. Yeah, might as well be. 2020 is just going to continue. I, I mean, feel like it has. It doesn't even feel like, I don't know, it doesn't feel like a new year to me at all. No, it definitely doesn't. I think it's like that for a lot of people. Yeah. Did you guys feel that 2020 was longer than usual or shorter in terms of how it felt? Oddly, both. 
At times it felt really, really fast. Like where is the entire year gone? And then it's also been like, feels like I haven't seen people in five years right now. Yeah. So a mix of both. I get really um, sad when I think about before COVID. I get really sad. I feel like there's a lot of grief still going on. Anticipatory grief is that like, like when people were feeling very anxious, I think one of the things that they were doing during 2020 was actually grieving because it happened so quickly and things were just kind of taken from us, you know, in terms of just going out and being sociable and going to sit in a restaurant or, you know, for folks that live in a city like me, DC was like so vibrant and there was none of that shit going on what happened last Wednesday. And it was just very like, you know, you could walk to the Capitol and just, you know, just whatever, you know? And then all of a sudden COVID hit and it was like the city even became worse. It was like the gasoline on the fire. And it's just been sad. DC looked very sad. And that's why I left. <laughs> right. <laughs> good, good timing there. Yeah. <laughs> That's what all my clients were saying. They were like, Dr. Lee, man, you left it a good time because, you know, we're not far from, we weren't far from the White House or the Capitol, you know? So, um, yeah, I get sad because I don't know what it would feel like. Have you thought about what it would feel like to be in a room with people and hanging out? It's just kind of like, yeah, that's, that's what, Monica, that's my reaction. (laughs) Yeah. That's my reaction generally, though. <laughs> Pre-COVID, I mean, I feel like a group of people is called a nope. It's uh, yeah, the nope, the nope. Group. Yeah, a group of people is called a nope. No, <laughs> I can do like four to six people in a room, and at that point, I'm just completely overwhelmed. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you know, are that way too. You know, where they they get too overwhelmed, but you know, just going inside of a I don't know a restaurant and having like dinner you know? do, you guys, do you guys ever get that feeling when you're watching tv and you see a lot of people clustered together and you're like what are you guys doing and no! then it's like wait a yes. second no the world wasn't always in covid yep. there's a time before this yeah I was watching a video from 2008 of when I went to visit Oberlin College. I was the worst videographer, by the way. It was like (laughs) all over the place. And I'm uh, taking a video of all these kids on like Friday afternoon, everyone's on the quad and they're like juggling and shit. And I was like, oh my God, why are they all near each other? And I was kind of freaking out. And then I was like, wait, this is, this was 12 years ago. And still I feel plagued by COVID brain and I wonder when that's gonna go, or if it's I know, I, it's like a trauma. It really is. You know, I, you go back and you look at these events before, and it's like it's so foreign. It feels like it was so long ago. Yeah, and I love crowds, or I don't want to say I love crowds, but I, I love gatherings. I'm a big party lover. Uh, mm-hmm. I know there was a sign that I think at the Capitol that day, or it went viral that someone said, "I just want to go to a concert." Did you guys see that? Someone just I've seen like, signs I just like want to go to a concert. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I was like, I not concerts for me, but I totally hear you. Like I miss I miss going dancing. I miss being at some party like Christmas. We were supposed to do Jumas at my family. I mentioned in the last episode. Like I'm sad about that. But at the same yeah. time, it would feel so weird. It would feel wrong. That's how I feel. I feel the same way. I would feel very anxious being around people 
you know, right now because of just safety reasons. But just like, I think my anxiety would go up because I haven't been around people. Yeah. I don't even know what that's, I've been around my husband and that's it. And then of course my, I went home for Thanksgiving to my parents. We didn't go for Christmas because the numbers just went so high. And plus to, to, for a rental car from like the DC area to Virginia beach was like $800. Oh no. <laughs> because they had jacked up the prices because people weren't flying or taking the trains. And so we stayed here. Um, but yeah, I guess just the anxiety and like unsettledness of um, being around people. And I live in a town center now, so I'll walk by the restaurants and there are people inside eating. I'm like, man, you wouldn't catch. <laughs> it's not even allowed in Rochester right now. And that's a small not in California, mm-hmm. not in the Bay area. You certainly are not allowed over here. In Northern you can Virginia, do outdoor not, dining, not which either. yeah, you can do outdoor here, but even that's starting to get shut down. They're in the restaurants here. They are in their restaurants and <laughs> some people are just sitting in there like nothing's happened. Yep. It's so mind boggling. I don't know. I get like really, ugh. yeah. Well, it's up to you guys, but I really would like to, well, when, when, when one reflects on 2020, there is no doubt that COVID is going to be a massive, if not the, the main uh, contributing factor to how we felt about the year and how we dealt with the year. But what are maybe some other things related or not that you experienced this year, both good and bad? Because I, I mean, I feel like we all, there's definitely some silver linings that came out of this year. I, uh, sometimes they're hard to dig for, but they existed um, on both a national and international level and individual level. So how about we go around and we'll, we'll start looking, maybe let's go with some positives for a minute just to see if we can scrounge them up. How do you guys feel about that? Sounds yeah, good. Sure, Sounds absolutely. Up. Yeah. Uh, Jason, you want to start? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I guess before this year, I was a guy producing a podcast, telling my own story out of my parents upstairs, you know, and it was very, um, I didn't feel overly connected to the larger chronic illness and disability communities. Um, And yeah, looking back, I guess that's been one of the main things that I think has changed, which has helped me understand my own experience a lot better. Um, Going into it at the beginning of the year, I joined a media lab for people with disabilities to produce stories on disability. And I got to meet some incredible people through that. Um, And I'm still a part of that group and I still keep in touch with all of them. Um, And it just helped me understand my own experience, um, you know, discrimination, ableism, um, just identity, how disability plays into my own personal identity, Um, disability pride, getting to understand that, and then starting to go and do um, guest interviews on other shows. That's really where I, I started connecting with people, you know, and I think it was, what, back in May when I connected with Monica through the show and I mean, yeah, now I'm a part of this wonderful podcast network and I've got to connect with so many um, wonderful people through that as well. Um, so yeah, I'm getting brain fog and my my thoughts are are stopping all of a sudden. So I don't know where I was going after that. Yay, community growth. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Right, nice, very nice. Yeah, I kind of feel like that too. I mean- there were a lot of great things that I feel like that did come out of 2020 for me as well. First of all, 
being a part of this podcast network now and starting a podcast, which I never thought I would do. It's something that I always wanted to do. I was always a guest on podcasts and then finally starting my own, which is very interesting and fun. And I'm learning a lot. And I really had some cool guests so far. And I plan to have like many more and just really inviting, you know, other uh, sexperts in the area of sexuality on the show because sexuality plays a big part of our identity and really helping and hearing voices of folks that are reclaiming their sexuality because of chronic illness or disability. And so I really enjoyed that. I also was able to um, prepare for starting my own practice, which is gonna be happening in like two months, which I'm so excited about because I will be able to focus more on the podcasts and other projects. In 2020, I was also able to finish my nonfiction book proposal, which is being pitched to literary agents, which is like a whole business of its own. You know, I was an actor before I was a psychotherapist and I feel like I'm auditioning again, but this time it's for a book, <laughs> which is very fascinating, but like high anxiety because every time my Gmail goes off, I'm like, oh my gosh, is that an agent? Um, but just those were great things. And just being close to my husband. And I think trying to figure out what we want to do. You know, I think COVID has been a time as a sex and relationship therapist. It's been a time for couples to get closer together as well. And for folks to kind of think about what do they want to do when some of this goes away in the future. And it, it was an opportunity for families, I think, to check in more on each other and to get close as well. And to really think about what do I want to do? And also creativity, uh, people doing new things that they've never done before, a new hobby or, you know. So I feel like one positive thing to take from it is just the idea of creativity that came from it too. So exciting stuff. Monica? Hey, come I also on, you guys have like three hours to get positive that I don't have. Like, I haven't finished my coffee yet. Um, yeah, I'm not good with the whole positivity thing. Surprise, shocker. Um, so I don't know how to answer that really honestly. So uh, I guess what I can say that's positive that happened this year just for all of us was um, the accessibility that happened. That all of a sudden companies were like, oh, hey, maybe you could do this from home. Maybe you don't have to be in the office. Maybe you can be this sick and still work or podcast or, you know, and schools were like, oh, maybe you don't actually have to be in the classroom for, for you to get an education. So I think that's a huge boost forward. Watching the arts become more accessible where Hamilton was like, oh, we'll sell you over to Disney. And now all these people who couldn't get to the theater and see a show, which believe me, I have issues with. And someday I can do a whole dissertation on the issues I have with that show, but it was really good. And I appreciate getting to see it. And there's a lot of Broadway shows I would like to see that I haven't gotten to see. So it's nice to see the outreach for art getting better. The outreach for school, the outreach for work has been getting a lot better and getting to meet some really great people. I know social media can be a brutal place, but I've made some amazing friends this year, social media wise. And that, that I'm pretty grateful for. And I just want to add real quick what Monica was saying about accessibility. Um, I have a lot, most of the clients that I see in therapy have chronic illness and chronic pain or some disability. And the ones who are able to work, that can work from home, they reported, they have reported less pain mm. from having to get up, take the Metro, go to work, drive to oh work, my God. 
like several of my chronic pain patients are like, you know, I have less pain or I'm able to manage my pain better and I'm having less flare-ups or I have more energy level being at home and their productivity at work went up. Yeah. And if you just think like any of us who are, are sick that have to actually manage our day and schedule around brushing our teeth and showering, yeah, like, and then putting on clothes and then getting out the door and making sure everything's done. And like, yeah. You got to preserve those spoons. <laughs> you gotta preserve right? spoons. Yeah. Your spoons. Right. Right. You know, having to, where does that energy go? Right. Yeah. I would say remote work is definitely up there on the, uh, the positive list. Uh, even though for, for me, it wasn't because I was always remote, <laughs> but for the rest of the world and for people with chronic illnesses in particular, absolutely. That being said, I have heard people, uh, my mom actually being one of them, uh, who told me they work more now because like bosses have taken advantage of the fact that they don't have commuting times. So that, that's nuts. But anyway, going back to positives, mm-hmm. um, I'm a pretty positive person. And so I do have like a long list of them, but some accessibility was a really good one, Monica, actually. I think in general, uh, there are a lot of different ways that we've had um, accessibility improvements, especially in terms of healthcare. Like the fact that telehealth became standard is huge. I mean, telehealth was invented in 1970 something um, by Dr. Jay Sanders for radiology originally. Shout out to Dr. Jay Sanders. He's awesome. Um, And it, it took until 2020, a pandemic, for it to become uh, part of standard care, but it needed to be done, if, if only for people like us, right, who getting out to actually see our care is, is costing us a lot of spoons, it also costs a lot more money in person, uh, and a lot of the time we schlep all the way for these visits when it was completely unnecessary, so I'm, I'm so thankful for that, really. Uh, so telehealth, um, I would say, is a big one for me as an individual, but also for the world. Uh, and remote relationships, like you said, Monica, growing um, or building relationships with people via social media, whether it be new people remotely or even friends that I was already close with, I became closer because it wasn't like we had to hang out in person to have conversations. We're like, oh, we could just FaceTime or Zoom or whatever. And now I have more periodic hangouts with my friends. That's great. And we can commiserate together. (laughs) Um, So that's been wonderful. And for me personally, other than, uh, uh, yeah, spending a lot of time with my husband and having that relationship grow, it's been really special. I would say taking care of myself has gotten a lot better this year because I've had the opportunity to do it. Like I don't have to go anywhere. And also this isn't really 2020 specific, but I got re-diagnosed this year with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and mast cell. And therefore I was like, okay, I got to kick my self-care into high gear. And I, I meditate or breathe or whatever, something like that every day. I do PT every day. I've gotten better with cooking and water and all this stuff. And even though it's a lot of work, uh, I kind of like that self-care is really part of my daily routine and quarantine and all that jazz helped promote that happening, I guess. Yeah. So, you know what I've had, and I have to say as a telehealth provider, I've had less cancellations. Yeah. Like people don't have to um, race to get to my office. 
you know, or they got to find a babysitter or they got to, you know, they just show up. And I've seen people where they show up and they're in a closet or they're walking or they're in their car. <laughs> they need privacy, but it was it's just nice that they don't have to schlep all the way to the office, right? And, and make those obligations to really get there when they can just do it in the comfort of their own home. Yeah. It's been really nice. That, that makes a lot of sense. It's funny, I haven't heard more of that, but sure, I, I bet that's true across like all health domains that people are seeing less no-shows. Yep. I'll ask my husband about it later because I know he still gets them. I get them. <laughs> I, I, get them. I, I still get them. I'll get cancellations, but less, definitely less cancellations. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. All right. What about some favorite parts? So I'll go back on the positive trade just for a little bit, Monica, or, or should we change it up? <laughs> should we go for a negative? Should we go for a dive and then we'll go back to positive? <laughs> I do have one positive thing. Um, I, uh-huh. I can't believe I blanked on it, but discovering virtual reality has been like the biggest joy of this year for me. Like I, I missed traveling so much and there's all these places I will never get to. I could never go to Petra. It would never happen. I would physically not be able to handle that journey, but I got to see it with a drone, like all the way to the top and the mm. bottom. And I got to walk around and explore this beautiful palace in Romania last night, just in virtual reality. It was a 360 video and it was one of the most stunning things I've ever seen in my life. It was this gorgeous Art Nouveau thing and just to have that sense of awe and wonder and go back to the Afuzi gallery and someone had like a 12k camera where you could see like the brush strokes of like the Botticelli paintings and with virtual reality you get the size scale which is so mind-blowing when you stand in front of some of those artworks and you're like oh I've only seen that in a book I had no idea and you get that feeling again like it's not as good granted but it's still amazing and beautiful and the creativity of some of the games of falling into um there's an Alice in Wonderland game that's one of the most beautiful whimsical things I've ever seen in my life and you just literally fall down a rabbit hole I would um, love to do that literally fall down. Wine. you literally do it's really cool you actually feel like you're falling like it's this weird like fight with like yes. your reason and your lizard brain where like your reason's like no you're sitting here it's okay you're good and your lizard brain's like no we're dying we're going to die now and it's like it's a very strange experience but um that the would be a lot, of, a lot of fun after having some wine. It, it, it is. Um, and other things, uh, other things definitely help. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, to have that sense of wonder, to really appreciate the artistry of the coders, the people who are creating these stories. And um, it, it's, it's truly amazing to have that worldview open up again. Nice. And that's my big one. And my kids keep, well, one child keeps stealing it, which is fine. <laughs> Uh, I guess we can talk about this is this is both positives and negatives the worst thing that happened this year and what you learned from it about that yeah um I I can start here um my yeah I had an injury happen like five days into the year I just like joined all these meetup groups I was planning on getting really into like winter hiking and everything and then like five days into the year I ended up I, t- I had like some, a partial tear in my meniscus, um, pulled my hamstring like really, really badly, got a really bad strain there. Um, and it was, yeah, it was tough. I was on crutches for about two months um, and just in a, in a ton of pain. It really messed up all my other symptoms. Um, but yeah, coming out of that, there's a positive that came out of that. I know. Um, brain fog. So one second here. Um, 
Yeah, I guess patience. I guess patience was a big thing that I developed. Um, and I kind of like Eva was saying there, I had so much time for self-care this past year that um, I think I think it I think it was really, really important. Um, and I actually like right now I'm 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 really fortunate. I've had a really big recovery um, to the point where I'm actually able to go out and and looking at getting actual work again. Um, but yeah, like right now I feel probably the best I've felt in seven years. So yeah. I was patient throughout that whole recovery and it just taught me like, okay, take it one day at a time, do whatever you can today and just focus on today. That's really great to hear. Great. Thank you. Makes me so happy. Thanks, Jason. Me too. Dr. Lee? Um, I, towards the end of last year of 2020, I actually had cancer scare. I went and had a skin exam done and there was a mole on me that was very suspicious. And the dermatologist was really, really worried about it. And they took it off and they tested it and it was, um, it came back non-cancerous, which was great, but I had to wait two weeks. I was sitting here like in a ball of anxiety and, um, I had to go, I get it, get it removed. She removed it, but then I had to go back and they had to cut more out. And it was, um, it was painful. And that just happened last week. So I've got stitches right now that I go back next week to get removed. But I just want to say how important it is to go to a dermatologist and get your skin looked at. Because I was a big beach person. I'm from Virginia Beach. I was always in the sun. I used to love the sun. I don't like the sun now because of that, of course, but... It was scary. It was scary. And then having to wait two weeks and then sitting here and then they, they called and they said, you have to come back in and get more removed from this area. And so that was just kind of scary. But the positive thing that came out of it was just going to the doctor and looking at your health and that it wasn't cancer. And, you know, it was just kind of, kind of scary to have to go through just the wait for that. It's never fun to have to play the waiting game really for anything. <laughs> no. Yeah, hearing the C word is terrifying too, right? It is terrifying. It is. And the fact that melanoma, and then of course, waiting the two weeks, of course, I went to Dr. Google, which I probably should not have done, but that's what I did. And I researched the fuck out of melanoma. <laughs> and it is very, very dangerous because it goes into your, I mean, and then it spreads through your body. It's so scary. Um, but yeah, go get your skin exams. Anyone out there go every year. I go every six months now, get it checked out, do what you got to do. And that was the negative and the positive of 2020 for me. I'm moving to California in September. And I actually just went to the dermatologist last week too. And, uh, naturally uh, first check in a long time. And naturally I was asking about skin and now that I'm 30, <laughs> what's going to happen to it. <laughs> and, um, tell me what to do uh and uh he just said i promise you there is nothing better that you can do than sunscreen because prevented it preventing wrinkles or more importantly can uh cancer uh is do like it's doable via something as easy as sunscreen and not being in direct sunlight but reversing those things or taking care of cancer 
I mean, one greatly outweighs the other. So sunscreen it up. So I'm a little nervous because it's the main reason I'm excited about moving to Fresno, California, even though Fresno itself, not so exciting. Um, but yeah, the sun. Some good things. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone, anyone who lives in Fresno, I will be there shortly. Um, anyone who lives yeah. in Fresno agrees with you. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, honestly, everyone I met in Fresno is like, yeah, it's okay. You're in Fresno because of what's near Fresno, not Fresno itself. But I'm extremely excited because I guess this goes hand in hand with one of the worst, I guess we could say one of the worst things that happened, which was I was diagnosed with EDS. I feel bad saying that that's the worst thing, but obviously it was a negative. It, mm-hmm. when, it, it was something that I was kind of dreading being diagnosed with. I I was hoping that was not the case, Uh, but alas, it is. And yes, it did lead to me taking PT more seriously and more self-care, but it also uh, was a huge deciding factor in where we're moving next year. So like my husband got a job and we had to pick between Buffalo and Fresno and Buffalo, New York, which is close to where I am now is super cold and wet and definitely not good for my pain um and when I was in Fresno uh I was like barely in any pain for a week it was kind of incredible I don't want to count my chickens yet exactly but there was definitely a significant difference so I'm super pumped for that and I and a side lesson from that was I learned how much my husband cares about me because it turns out he didn't he picked Fresno for me uh rather than Buffalo so that was really nice appreciation yeah um I will say that one of the worst thing really one of the worst things that happened this year was that I lost a couple family members to COVID um I had it's now 17 family members that were sick with COVID uh which is truly ridiculous because they were all in like different continents different sides of the family um I'm trying to think of what I learned from that uh I mean I guess I learned to take COVID seriously very early on that's something. Uh, and I would say I learned to appreciate family on another level, though I've always been pretty appreciative of my family. But one of my cousins who passed, she was, I think, 60, and she didn't have any ailments whatsoever. But I guess she was of age where it's more risky. And it just goes to show that you think you might lose people because they're elderly or they're sick or something. But something can just happen one day and you lose someone who's, I don't know, you di- you just did not expect to. Uh, and also to cherish your, your spouses. Uh, I watched my cousin lose his wife and that was really painful. Yeah. Cause they were each other's everything. I'm getting real sad here. Sorry, but you know, everybody just hold on to your loved ones and uh, wear a fucking mask. <laughs> <laughs> seriously yeah absolutely yeah okay there i'm done <laughs> wow well i'm very sorry for your loss that's like quite a few people yeah yeah well today uh i just put up on my facebook that um bbc announced two million people have officially passed from covid so. and we have the next strain coming in which is way more they said what 70 percent more Mm-hmm. yeah yeah I was and fine. even the people who are recovering who say they're feeling better and healthier the lung scarring is brutal and their energy levels like they don't have the same they don't have the bandwidth like I've had some people where they can't exercise like they did 
Yeah. They don't have the, the energy. And of course, because of the breathing part, right? And there's plenty of young, healthy people who have died from COVID. There's a lot. I mean, it's not I, the majority, but there are plenty of people who caught this who are 40, who are 30. There was even a kid who caught it and died who had no previous existing conditions. So it's like, important I never likes that, to go, yeah. well, 65. It's like, yeah, it's way more dangerous, but this is still like, you can still get this. You can still mm-hmm. die. You can still mm-hmm. end up in an ICU. Yeah. There was the Broadway actor that got it and he's got yeah. little spots in his legs. Yeah, and he, yeah. He yeah, died. it's a clot thing. So yeah, anyone. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah. that's my downer. I'll just, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just hear this all the time and I hear people like, people have told me to my face, like, well, you just stay home then. And it's like, okay, fine, I do. But you're not immune from this. Like, yeah. <laughs> And it's, it's just super frustrating to deal with people online with uh, the ableism of you're sick, so you're, you know, disposable. Also, and then also, the other side of it, of like <laughs> this immortality vibe they've got going. Yeah. Also yeah. the fact that so many people can't social distance because, you know, they need personal support workers or yeah. they need assistance through various other means. It's like, I mean, just being able to stay at home is such a fucking privilege level. Like the fact that I can distance, the fact that I have enough money that if I need to get deliveries, I can do that or that I have a home. There's a lot of people who do not have homes right now and there's no distancing in shelters or, you know, and there's some, but not nearly good enough. Like there's a huge privilege level that I'm very grateful for, but it shouldn't be like this. You know, people should not be forced to go to work in a clothing store right now. Like we don't need to buy clothes that bad right now. Like there should, that we keep these things open, which forces workers to go in. It, it's, it's such an issue. We should be back to, yeah. Anyway, I'm sure I've got lots of hate mail on that. That's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> Privilege in general is something I've really felt this year for both good and bad reasons. But uh, I've, felt very lucky to, well, one be in Rochester, which I didn't think I was ever going to say. <laughs> um, All right, Manhattan girl. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Uh, having a house, living with a husband that I actually really like um, and not having kids. Sorry. Um, and <laughs> it's fine. I totally get it. <laughs> and, and then of course, you know, one of, I think the best things that has come out though, it has brought up many other things is the back, Black Lives Matter movement. And that brought up um, ideas of privilege for, around myself from a, both a positive and negative angle. Uh, and I, I got to say, I think that's one of the best things that came out of 2020. Uh, but like that should have happened, I don't know, 300 years ago. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I don't, I, I was going to say something else on that. <laughs> I lost my train of thought, but it was, it was certainly an eye opener privilege absolutely yeah and learning how to be an ally and how to do that yes. I think the first step for me was to shut up and just listen and what can I do after that right and there were several good trainings out there on white supremacy that I was able to take and just learn more about because you don't realize something sometimes until it happens and then it's like oh man yeah I've got a lot of damn privilege here <laughs> lots of and to realize lots of it and um how to help and how to be an ally and just try to be a voice and be a friend and, and be there and to listen. That's, that's a positive thing that I think really came out of it too, was just the, how to be an ally. How to be an ally. That's a really good one. And also yeah. finally some, uh, we, 
a lot of different platforms, some for good reasons, some not for good reasons, uh, gave black people voices when, uh, and, and I'm glad that happened on a lot of podcasts, uh, which is great. Again, wish it wasn't for maybe certain reasons or it needed to happen that way, but I guess it's better late than never. Yeah. Uh, but and, and I would say that COVID had a lot to do with that because we were just so agitated by everything that it was like, okay, well, it's it's time. If there's ever a time, this is the time to talk. The social inequities in our society have never been more obvious than during this yeah. time. You know, when you're looking at racialized communities, black indigenous, people of color, um, low income, people who are have to work on the front lines because they don't because they need to put food on their plate like absolutely yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and then obviously the yeah um black lives matter movement and all that um yeah yeah so so many things happening last year (laughs) what about um what about from our guests what are some things that you guys have learned from your guests that really stood out to you this year? I guess, I guess I'll start since I brought it up. Uh, I, I love all of my guests and I've learned a tremendous amount, whether it be it brand new ideas and news to me or just confirming thoughts I've had. Uh, one of my episodes somewhat recently uh, that really stood out to me was, I want to get the name right. It was um, Nurturing Relationships Through Creative Resilience. I brought on Jenny Grover, who uh, is also known as the Chronic Babe or was known as the Chronic Babe. Uh, and that uh, the idea of creative, creative resilience is basically creating anything and create, creation doesn't have to be like drawing or painting or sewing, but it could be like organizing your sock drawer, right? But just the act of being creative actually is a tool to build resilience in your life. And then further than that, it's also a way to build relationships. And that, and I mean, we all, I think use creativity or we have used creativity to become more resilient in life and build relationships, but it's not something that we think about. So like cooking with my husband, um, on a Friday night, like making something special. That was something that we were creating together to uh, build a stronger relationship and also be more resilient to the fact that we couldn't, like COVID in general, like we couldn't go out. This is a way that we are putting a positive spin on what's happening around us or limiting us. Uh, so yeah, that was, I would say a big eye opener for me is looking at uh, a coping, like creativity as a coping mechanism and uh, and a um, strengthener. Yeah. So thanks, Jenny Grover. That's great. I think it was kind of going back to what I was saying earlier about you know just people getting creative during this time and having to do that. Mm-hmm. I've had I haven't had many episodes yet on my podcast, but the ones that I've had, they've all been great. Of you know they've all said something new and fresh to to normalize sexuality with chronic illness. So. Um, one episode that I had was my good friend Katie who came on and she talked about how using kink in BDSM to cope with chronic pain was very fascinating. Being able to go into a scene and do something different and to focus on the good pain versus the bad pain, which I thought 
was very fascinating. And there's been some research studies done that it is actually is really helped, you know, uh, looking at that and getting creative and focusing on something different. So for an example, if someone works in a company where they're a subordinate, they can go into a bedroom and become a dom or something and to, to play with that. And, or someone who is an executive at an organization, they can go into the bedroom and be a sub and just have that creativity in their sex lives and looking at disability from an angle to where yeah, something has changed in your life. You're in this new normal of your life, but you can actually get creative with your sex. And that's why my mantra was always get curious about your partner and get creative with your sex because you can look at it from a creativity point of view. And then the last episode I had, I had a good friend of mine who's also a colleague and we talked about the shame that comes with illness and how that plays a big factor. And we talked about the antidote of shame which is self-compassion and being able to accept where you are in the moment with your body. So it's just, it's, it's great. And I, I, I plan on just having some really cool guests um, on there and more stories being shared about people, how they've been able to reclaim their sexual desire due to the illness or how they want to, maybe they haven't yet, but they're really curious about it and they want to try something different. Right. So those are some of the stories that, that I've had. And, you know, I feel like as a therapist, sex and relationship therapist, just learning from my clients. I learn from my clients as much as they can learn from me. Like I hear some stories and I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that term existed in the field of sexuality. You just taught me something. <laughs> Ooh, give us one. An example. Well, what was funny was I had a client one time come in and they were like, yeah, you know, um, I, um, you know, really into CBT and I'm thinking, okay, cognitive behavioral therapy, I'm a therapist, CBT. And he goes, no, cock ball torture. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. I'm like, oh, that that sounds painful. (laughs) That's CBT, that one. Um, you know, just different terms that are out there, like kink and polyamorous terms, like a unicorn, you know, someone who's been invited into a relationship, a bisexual couple where they have a woman come in and that's their unicorn, you know, just hmm. interesting things. It's, I tell you what, this field, it's never boring. That's for sure. It's always something entertaining going on. Um, I'm kind of jealous here, yeah. honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, I want your job. Sounds <laughs> awesome. It's never boring, but you learn so much. And I think, I guess being a new podcaster like myself, I'm learning a lot about that and just learning stories and people love stories. They love it. It's inspiring to them. And so I just, I just really enjoy stories. So, yeah. That's why I love Jason's podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Jason, you got some lessons from a guest? Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of them, I guess, is just the power of patient advocacy. Um, there was one podcast that I really got obsessed with that I ended up having on my show this past year, um, Keith MacArthur from the show Unlocking Bryson's Brain. Um, and so he had... His son was born with a rare um, neurodevelopmental disorder, 
Mm. And at the age of 13, um, he was, he was a wonderful, um, a wonderful kid and wonderful kid. But yeah, his, his brain was locked at the developmental age of a one-year-old. And so he went on this really, really long journey to finding that diagnosis and just being super, super persistent, going through every single doctor he possibly could researching um, on the internet and ended up getting a diagnosis for it. And following that, um, yeah, following that, he just gathered up, he got together with a lot of different other parents. He connected with a lot of parents online and through that, started up this organization, um, which is actually funding uh, treatments and cures for this disorder. And they have now already, like, I think they've only been up about and running about a year, but they've already networked with a bunch of scientists and were actually able to recreate a mouse with that exact same genetic disorder and were able to turn it on and off. And yeah, just chatting with him, he was talking about how how much patient advocates play into um, what the, how big of a role they have in rare diseases and how so many of the cures and treatments that end up becoming available. um, Yeah. Are just all started by the efforts of parents and patient advocates. Wow. I have one. Um, Tinu, who I do get the pass the mic with a lot, um, she brought to me an issue that I had no idea about, which is that pulse ox monitors don't work well on black skin and that they have often a, um, a false uh, reading for it. And I had no clue. I know there's a lot of disparity in medicine when you're looking at any intersectionality. I had no idea about this one. So she and I have been doing a lot of talking about how we can get that issue forward, what can be done about it. Um, it's actually an issue that's been known about for years and no medical companies have stepped forward to correct for this. So we're, we're trying to figure out something that can be done for it, but that was the, a huge lesson. An unfortunate lesson, but a lesson. It, it's, well, it reminds us that when we're looking at anything that's tested by the FDA, it's usually tested on white male bodies. It's um, almost all medicine is tested for white male bodies. All devices are tested for white male bodies. And um, it's something that I think we kind of like glaze over and we don't really necessarily remember until it becomes a real big medical issue that can easily kill or create huge problems. Absolutely. And I got to say, I know this is not, not uh, dire, but absurd is that they just started creating uh, band-aids for people of color this year yeah that's yep nuts I, I couldn't believe it starting this year this year <laughs> this what? like oh my Ooh, really random positive of this year sweatpants yes <laughs> I have worn exclusively spandex or sweatpants bottoms and bras for all of 2020 you're still wearing bras what they don't have class <laughs> wearing bras. no one's wearing bras anymore we all gave up did no one tell you the memo like- zev literally asked me the last time yesterday he's like what is the when is the last time you wore a bra with hooks <laughs> you got me i don't know <laughs> Do I actually have fancy sweats. Like I have my nice sweats and I have my like 
disgusting sweats. Like there's now like levels <laughs> of sweats. sweats and disgusting yeah. sweats. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I still like dressing. Like I still, I like wearing real clothes a lot of the time and dressing up, but I'm looking mm-hmm. at my jeans. Like when was the last time I saw you? <laughs> or my skirts. I have lots of like nice winter skirts. I don't really need to wear them. Yeah, I've got like slacks and khakis hanging up in the closet. I don't my miss jeans at all. Is, no. <laughs> no. My youngest is like anytime there's like a possibility to go outside or for a walk, he puts on like the most elaborate, beautiful outfits. Like yeah. just depending on what what gender is sort of like being felt, it can be like like full like 1940s fabulous, or it could be like this gorgeous prom dress, but like just totally feeling it like every time we leave. Oh yeah, I can't wait to see the fashion when this pandemic is is done. So there's a whole talk about that about how like the 1920s was like that response to the Spanish flu, and like you go out and you go out in the full dressing to the nines. Like the I don't know if we're all gonna just like wear sweats forever, or if like we're going out for milk. Get the tuxedo, darling. Like (laughs) I'm all for the Marlena Dietrich fabulous. I want to wear. I want to wear a ball gown all the time. I love that. I I'm totally gonna put, would. I'm going to put my ball gown on too. Yep, totally. I am such a granola crunching Berkeley girl. I have like my fancy Birkenstocks. To eat your own, my friend. Uh, <laughs> All right, so let's um let's wrap up with plans for 2021, which I realize isn't much of a wrap up. I'm sure we have lots to say, but uh yeah so that goes for each of your podcasts and if there's anything personal you want to add there too what's what's on the horizon yeah I can start here um so yeah I I've been looking at some of some of the stories that I have been working on um in the past have taken me like several months to produce and I'm like you know I'd be really nice if I can find a way to earn a living while doing this. Um, so I started just in the last few months, I started pitching stories to uh, a couple different outlets and just ended up signing my first freelance contract about a week ago. So I'm going to be producing a story for out there podcast. It's an outdoors podcast. So it's a story about myself and a squirrel and chronic illness, a whole bunch of, <laughs> it's going to be really fun. <laughs> Um, and I'm also going to be posting that, that, um, episode on my own feed as well. Um, and yeah, I've got a few other pitches that I've been preparing in, uh, in addition. Yeah. There's story of an interabled family with like three deaf adult children, um, who, yeah, I'm currently pitching story of how they've been quarantining together. Um, and then also one last one is one where I interviewed my grandma about how her understanding of my illness has shifted over the years and um, really, really uncomfortable conversation about how the time when she used to gaslight my illness and all that. So um, that's going to be, I think it'll be a really insightful thing because I think it's something everybody with chronic illness has gone through. Um, to some extent so yeah that's that's kind of it in terms of personal life don't really have too much else to add <laughs> that's really great Jason that's wonderful Thank you. I, saw, I saw your post on Facebook about that and you were just really excited about it so and you are so that's great wonderful bravo, bravo thank you friend. very excited um I guess I can go. I have a lot of projects going on, which is why I'm glad I'm starting my own practice so I can actually maybe dedicate 
some time to that. Definitely more of the podcast, definitely having more guests on, more experts in the field on sexuality on the show. Um, next, February is really exciting because I have uh, Julie Carmen, who is actually, who's actually an actress turned psychotherapist that treats uh, people that through yoga that have had like sexual trauma that have ended up having pain from sexual trauma because there's actually research that shows that folks that got fibromyalgia can have a history of sexual trauma. And so she was a big 80s actress. So I don't know if you ever saw Fright Night, um, any of those films back in the day, but she was in Fright Night Part Two, which is one of my favorite movies to watch in Halloween, <laughs> during Halloween. Um, but if you Google her, she's done a ton of stuff. So she's coming on in February, which I'm really excited. And I am working really hard to get Selma Blair on my podcast. I have chatted with her a little bit and I'm still working really, really, really hard. I think she would be great on the network. Um, I'm gonna work on my book. I'm hoping to get a book deal or at least a literary agent. Um, I've been working on this book proposal for two years. I mean, when I first met Monica and she interviewed me, we talked about my book. So I'm hoping that this book is gonna get a deal because it's so needed. There was a book written in 20, uh, 2003 on chronic illness and sexuality and disability. And so we need some new stuff out there from a sex positive lens, looking at more marginalized populations. So I've got characters in my books that are trans, non-binary, gay, lesbian, heterosexual, all of that. And that's my goal. And I also interviewed for a reality TV show. Um, and it's gonna follow someone with a chronic illness. And there's gonna be a sex therapist, which is me, a relationship coach. And it's based out of LA and the producer agent approved it. So it's being pitched to the TV network. So we will see what happens with that because that would be really cool. And just continuing to teach and write, that's my plan. And I'm really looking forward to just growing more as a podcaster. I'm excited about that. We're excited about that too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what about you, Mon? What's coming? There's so much going on. <laughs> oh God, Twitch. Um, for the podcast, uh, I'm focusing a lot more on artists, writers, singers, um, creators who have chronic illness and disability. Um, I'm also really wanting to focus on the social justice aspect of chronic illness and disability. I, I've been really honest with all of you guys about like my, what I want, like what the mission statement of this podcast has always been, which I'm hoping someday we get enough leverage that we can start lobbying for better access to things. I like my ideal for this podcast network would be that we get enough funding that we can start actually helping people that we could start actually doing things for people who don't have the money to get a wheelchair, we would be able to do that. So that's something that I would love for this podcast to work towards. Um, we're starting a magazine this year and Eva was kind enough to introduce me to like the ideal intern to help me. So Rachel and I are gonna be working very closely on creating a crowdsourced magazine for the, um, and it's just one a year for right now, <laughs> but it, it's going to be um, crowdsourced through our community with their art, their stories, um, their suggestions. And I'm excited about that. That'll be fun. Um, personally, I started a new company with my family making cool, uh, a kind of fantasy fairy tale uh, home decor stuff. So that's been a blast and it's starting to do well, which is like, 
exciting. And um, homeschooling a teenager, uh, having my small farm, and the kids' book should be out in March. So I'm just finishing uh-huh. layout on that, which I'm really excited about. I write a series of kids' books that are based in history, but it's seen through the lens of uh, a fictional character and her teddy bear. And then the second other podcast I do, and I just wrapped the season on robots, which was made me unbearable to be around for a whole year. No one could talk to me without me talking about like the history of robots. So um, I think everyone's really grateful that wrapped and I don't know what I'm doing for this year, but I'll, I'll figure it out soon. And then I'll annoy everyone else with something new. I love the idea of having artists on your podcast and writers and get it's been so fun. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like I push them her way. Touched- yeah can we get submission i will like I'm if like, i find yeah, it. yeah totally. and a- actors actresses like i'm super like the, the creative process is like the only thing that keeps me even close to like telescope sanity like even like in the hair's breadth of sanity is creating things mm-hmm. so that's that's been my focus on social justice so yeah push everyone my way on on those ones um mm-hmm. i don't know how much i'll be doing this year i've been thinking about moving it to once or twice a month the every week was because i run two podcasts and it's just it's a lot i'm sick um and then we had the huge family change of my son joined the Navy. So my son is now on boot camp right now. So we're, we're down, we're down one, one human in our house. Is he, is he in Great Lakes? Yeah. He is in Great Lakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's um, quarantining right now and then he'll start boot camp. So that's been quite an adjustment for the whole family. I can't even... And our refrigerator stays stocked a lot longer. I've noticed we actually have food that stays for more than like a week that's that's fascinating oh you mean when a teenage boy isn't <laughs> present anymore yeah yeah god like I, I have never had to go to costco so much in my life like i, <laughs> I i've never had to spend so much money on groceries before like grad school i used to spend 20 dollars a week for groceries and that was fine that was two like that was two people and 20 bucks for the whole week like that that wouldn't even last a meal with that kid <laughs> yeah so just one teenager in a small farm. And a daughter. <laughs> That's what I said. I have a teenager. I have another teenager. Oh, another here. teenager. Yeah, I guess she's a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> but um, teenager is um, is going by they, them, or uh, he, she, uh, or he, him, and she, her, depending on the day. Uh, oh. There's, there's a lot of changes around here, and um, totally open to it. It's, it's awesome. My, my kid is fantastic. Both of them are fantastic, but... But the youngest has become this amazing artist and thinker and is probably um, going to be asking you for advice some daily because uh, Smallest wants to be a therapist so bad. Oh, yeah. So, send her yeah, my Smallest way. Smallest is 13 and send has her. goals. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what, what today is, but, um, but the Smallest, <laughs> I, I will definitely send your way for some, some advice because yeah. they're looking for like ideas of where to go to college and... Uh, what to um right now really interested in being coming an art therapist they're so neat uh, smallest that's is great. fabulous yeah both of them my, my my largest is is wonderful and amazing and uh, I still have a twitch and I'm I'm still that you saw the picture um but he's wonderful too <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah they're they're fantastic but it's been a lot of changes here and my dad just had a heart attack so we're, oh, we're reshuffling a lot of stuff mm. yeah and yeah my mom's um 
main caregiver and we're, we're trying to convince my mom not to leave the house with this new COVID strain. And I'm trying to like, I'm trying to mother my mom of just take the fuck home. You don't have to go to the grocery store. We're, we're here. We will go to the grocery store for you. Do not leave your house. And yeah, so it's, it's um, I'm sorry. I went on a tangent. I, it's been a long, long two weeks of not, not sleeping. It's been definitely a long two weeks for you in America. Definitely oh some personal stuff for you too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not to minimize the incredible stress I've been feeling since Wednesday. Um, that's, yeah. You know, everyone's got their own stuff and we also take on that of others. Understand yeah. so? Okay, so for me, um, I'll start with my personal thing, which is, and this may not happen according to plan, but I've been waiting my entire life. I mean, like, since I was probably three or four years old to go on what I call uh, my world trip that is due to start on July 1st and be 10 weeks. That being said, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen with COVID. Um, like we have a plan to go to eight different countries and my husband's going to be um, vaccinated. Like his second vaccine is done this weekend. But I mean, even that aside, and I hope I'm vaccinated by then, I just don't know what the state of the world is going to be in. And so that's, uh, I'm really, I'm really upset about that, that it may not be what I hope it to be. And I, like I said, I've been thinking about it my entire life. Uh, but I am someone who likes to, I don't know, look for alter. I'm really good at finding alternatives. And so we decided that we're going on a trip for 10 weeks. Maybe it's one country that is safer and we can quarantine there first or we make that happen. I would really love that to be Thailand. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but we pick one country or, or a couple or we do a road trip in America. It's going to be during the summer. So we'll at least get to be out a lot. But I refuse to let this dream of mine die. Uh, and uh, it does, if anyone questions this, it does have to be these 10 weeks now. Um, and there's lots of personal reasons around that so the timing is the timing so i'm gonna make something happen so that's my big thing coming this year and then of course moving to fresno california Woo! um yay <laughs> uh gonna be only three hours away <laughs> only three hours from you no big like yeah yeah that'll be nothing nothing um <laughs> okay so i will first talk about human care what's happening and then i'll, I'll list out some things i think for the network that are also going on uh, but for human care so I can't go into detail about this yet because I don't know all the details, uh, but stay tuned looking on our website and social media for this. I will be starting a new, I don't know what to call it, segment or just approach to the podcast where I'll be asking people to submit their stories of um, negative interactions with other people in relation to their chronic illness. The most common of which is likely to be negative interactions with doctors. Uh, or other healthcare professionals. But it is the human care podcast. And I like to reflect on all relationships in relation to the our healthcare journeys and healthcare in general. So uh, please do submit stories of all sorts um, uh, of relationships that could mean like issues you've had with your spouse because of your chronic illness or your friends or your family members or teachers, whatever like that. Uh, and I will give all the details as to what those submissions should look like, um, both on the website and social media. So look out for those. But yeah, I want to be able to share people's stories on a larger scale, but then also, and I'm sure I will get a lot of um, polarized responses uh, from this, but also seeing what we can learn from them 
and through uh, various resources that I'll be collecting like studies and advocates and um, you know, researchers along with myself providing some context to possibly shift how we look at these relationships as well as uh, tools and tips as to how we can deal with them going forward and how we can inspire other people to deal with them. Because human care is all about humanizing all relationships within healthcare. Uh, and when I say humanizing, I mean like looking at every person involved as a human. Um, so that's my, my big thing for the year. And we'll see how that goes. Uh, please everyone forgive me ahead of time. It will be, uh, I will be testing this out. Please don't hate me too much. I'm trying to do the right thing. Uh, <laughs> And when has that mattered on social media? It doesn't. Um, but you know what? This, this is how I feel about it. Um, people love complaining and giving their opinion. And that's absolutely valid. But I want the reason why I'm doing this is because as much as I, I really do love the interviews I do with my guests, I love uh, providing different insights and inspiring content and bringing on just truly phenomenal human beings. But I feel like people's opinions only really change if you make them like stop and think and go, holy shit, there's a different way to look at this. Or even if they're like, no, I will not look at it this way. I, I think it's important to have um, people really, I want to wake people up around this topic. I think that's, that's what I'm aiming to do. Like if some people don't like it. That's okay. We'll see how it goes. Well, and you know what? I like that too, because that's actually the goal of psychotherapy is to look at things through a different lens. So as a psychotherapist that treats chronic illness, one of the things that I do with my clients is they'll come in and they'll say, I have no idea what I want to ask my doctor. So we'll go through a list together. We'll create a list so they can have some type of dialogue because sometimes they come in and they say, if I don't ask a question, then I'm not going to get an answer. Yeah. So being able to do that, I love that idea. I think that's great. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, we'll see you. I, and um, now I'll, I'll shift into... Uh, podcast news mode because uh, to piggyback off that feedback feedback is fantastic so <laughs> if people want to uh, obviously we would love ratings and reviews but if you got if anyone listening ever wants to uh, give ideas give uh, even critique like literally any kind of feedback is valuable and you can email us at contact at invisible not um, on our website I mean there's lots of ways to contact us also on social media uh, we do have a Facebook group. Some of you might be watching this from the Facebook group right now. Uh, and that is the invisible, not broken Facebook group. And, uh, I feel like that's where the, we're the most active and we're going to be most active. Uh, we're also, I know that I've been doing all my episodes live on Facebook for I think like four or five of them now. And, uh, um, that's a good idea. Oh yeah. You should do that. I like that. Yeah, because Zoom that we're on right now, it has the ability for you to share. Yeah, we're on Facebook. on Facebook. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So I've been doing that. <laughs> uh, and I encourage all of you guys to do that. It's really great. I've been uh, doing them live on my personal Facebook just because since it's new, I have like a lot more people following me on there. But I always repost on Human Care Facebook and Invisible Not Broken's Facebook. Uh, so look out for those for me for sure. But hopefully Yay. some of our other guests. Um, what else do we got? Uh, I think all of us on average do like two episodes a month, but I know that like everybody's going to be a bit patient with us. I think we're still trying to figure out our flow. I know Monica, you're reevaluating your flow. 
um, of yeah. Oh, I did have one other thing that we're going to be starting this year. And I totally blank. Okay. Is this a good time to do? Yeah, sure. Uh, we're doing a book club this year. Oh, yeah. Oh. So I teamed up with Catherine Trueblood, who's a literature professor. And our first book for the book club is going to be one of my favorites. Um, Sarah Ramey, I interviewed her a while ago. Uh, it was, and this is an amazing book. I'm not a big fan of, um, I, I don't read a lot of nonfiction like this, but this was amazing and I read it like one sitting. So we're gonna be doing a book club with this is our first book. And after that book, we're gonna be choosing other books by disabled and chronic illness writers and having dialogues and Facebook lives. And Sarah's offered the, to- share the book again? Oh yeah, um, Sarah's offered to come in and have um, our first book club meeting. Um, so the author will actually be joining us for the first one. So more details to come. Uh, Catherine and I are supposed to talk this week about details. So yay. Nice. So it's the ladies handbook, just for those listening who can't see, it's the ladies handbook for man. Oh, sorry. I, <laughs> brain cells are good today. Uh, the ladies handbook uh, and memoir of her mysterious illness by Sarah Ramey. And I interviewed her, oh gosh, um, earlier in 2020. Mm-hmm. So you can also find that. And we had a two-part interview. Um, she's amazing and such a good writer. Um, so we're going to start with this. And then please give us more um, books that you would like us to consider for the next round afterwards. And um, should be written by someone who has chronic illness or disability. And if people want to be involved in the book club, how should they get in touch with you? Good. Um, yeah, on our, on our page, just contact her right now, but, um, Catherine and I are going to discuss how, um, she and I can, um, do this and stay sane. So we will have details coming and hopefully the next like month, we will have uh, a schedule and everything set up, but we do know that's our first book. Sweet. Yeah. So at the very least email contacted invisiblenotbroken.com. You can definitely get in touch with, with us. Yeah. And the magazine also start uh, pitching your ideas of what you would want us to put in there. So if you have an article or something you've written or something you'd like to see in there or or artwork that you would like us to publish, um, start sending it our way. Hopefully they'll be up and running in a month or so. This is a, a little bit random, but if anyone is new to Invisible Not Broken or this version of Invisible Not Broken, uh, please listen to a few episodes back, uh, the Meet the Hosts episode. So you can, I, I thought that was like my favorite this year of Invisible Not Broken episodes when we all did true, two truths and a lie. That was just lots that of fun. fun. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't know about us uh, or you just want a good giggle, listen to that episode. <laughs> Lots of fun. And we're going to also start being, we're going to each do an episode where we interview one of the others of us on our chronic illness diagnosis journey. So those yeah. will be coming up very soon. Fun times. Uh, it was an excuse to kidnap Jason again, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, Eva's going to Eva's gonna kidnap me. I'm going to be yeah. on human, human care. And then I'm going to have one of you come on and talk about your sex life. <laughs> I really want to, like, I'm eager to, and then I'm not so sure. Your face is great. No, I mean, like, I I was just running through my head. I'm like, that would be so much fun. Oh, my God. How much will I pay in therapy if my children get a hold of that episode? Like, it's just playing of, like, this this means I cannot lie. I cannot. Yeah, your face expressions are, are great. Great. <laughs> this is why I will never do Botox. I will never do Botox. It's just, it would ruin my entire 
No, I would love to do it. I, I, I have it all it really in. Fun. I have, I've got Botox and fillers in my face and I can't get the Moderna va- vaccine. I hear if I get the Moderna vaccine, my face will swell because of my Botox and fillers. <laughs> but then you have real fillers because your face will swell. <laughs> oh my God. This is what happens when you, it's Friday at three o'clock and I have limited energy now and to start getting delirious. So. Well, the- <laughs> My butt I would love numb, to do by this, the by the way, Lee. What was that? What did you say? <laughs> what do you? What did you say, Monica? You said something. Oh, I would love to do it. No, I think it would be super fun. I would love to. My husband's already given up on the fact that there's any privacy. Like I, I have no filters, so he's already given up. Then I'm gonna have you on. We're gonna figure out. <laughs> yeah, I and Siri really want to, but I will have to ask. Yeah. <laughs> oh, got it. And here's the thing, you know, sex, sex is about options. So it can be all anything. Yeah. So I'll talk yeah. about that. He's a pretty open dude. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Let's um, do it. Yeah. Let me know. So, so my butt has officially gone numb. So you <laughs> should wrap up. I'm doing my best to stay awake right now. I know. I'm looking at Jason and I can see the fatigue in his face. And I'm like, is he, yeah. he's getting tired. Jason's getting tired. All right. Um, so, I've got sti- I've got stitches on my left butt cheek, um, and I need to stand. That's where the mole was at, right on the left butt cheek, right there. Poor yeah. butt cheek. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. I love you guys, and love you uh, guys do good. We're gonna make you. the best of 2021, if only right here. Yes. Bye, guys. <laughs> Take care. Good seeing all of you. Yay.